Welcome, Fellowship Asheville. No matter who you are or where you are, we really are a church for you. And if you are new here today, if you could uh, leave a comment, if you're watching on Facebook, we would love to get to know you. Um, or you can even go to our website, like Carol said, and fill out a connect card there. But if you are new today, today is a perfect day for you to be joining us. And let me tell you why. Today, we get to talk about all that God is doing in and through Fellowship Asheville, particularly as we transition from this time of life before COVID-19 and and life with COVID-19. Now, y'all, we are certainly not out of the woods yet, but I truly believe that God has us as a church in this season uh, for a reason. I believe that He has you going through this season for a reason as well. Oswald Chambers says this. He says, crisis reveals character. Now, I don't know about you, but, but maybe during this season of COVID-19, um, you have seen parts of your character revealed uh, that are good, and that's awesome, but maybe you've also seen parts of your character revealed Uh, that maybe aren't so good, that aren't so awesome. You see, either way, I think there's a question that we all could be asking during this time, and it's this. It's how do we, meaning you and me and us as a church, how do we come through this time better than when we entered it? How do we come through COVID-19 better than when we entered it? Now, y'all, it's an important question for you. It's an important question for you to come out of this season better than you entered it to thrive. It's an important question for us as a church to come out of this season better than we entered it. It's important for us to thrive during this season. Here's why. I want to share with you this, this sobering statistic that I saw about this season of COVID-19. And it's this, that 20% of churches won't make it out of this worldwide pandemic. 20% of churches will close during this pandemic. Now that's sobering. I personally already know of two churches that have shut their doors since March because of the season that we're in. Y'all, how we transition during this time as the world is changing around us is critically important. And I want you to hear my heart for you is for you to thrive during this time. Not to just survive, like like we've done that. What does it look like to thrive? What does it look like to leave this season better than we entered it? And just so you know, that's also the same goal that I have for our church. Our goal is to thrive. Our goal is to continue doing what the church has always done. Y'all, this is what's amazing. You see, in the worst of environments, the church has always found a way to thrive. So for 2,000 years, over 2,000 years, since the beginning of the church, as, as, the, as the world has changed around the church, the church has always changed and adapted and transitioned to that as well. Well, and that's what we're going to see today. We're going we're gonna to see that. We're going to see what does it look like for our church to transition as the world around us changes. And, and what does it look like uh, for the ancient church? that we're going to see today? What did it look like for them to try to transition as the world changed around them? And what we're going to see is that some things change, but not everything. Now, what I'd like you to do is to turn with me to 1 Peter. 
And if you'll notice on the slide, typically I have the verses. There are no verses. First uh, Peter is where we're going to land. And what we're going to do, we're going to do kind of an overview of First Peter. And I use the term overview very loosely, right? We're going to look at the first two verses of First Peter, and then we're going to go to the very end and look at, at the last verse. And then we're going to do like this hop, skip, and jump through the, through the middle of it. Right, and so go ahead and turn to 1 Peter, open your Bibles if you've got them, or turn on your Bibles and, and turn to 1 Peter. And as you're doing that, I want to tell you about this guy, Peter, who wrote this letter. Because Peter was one of Jesus' disciples, right? He was, he was the really impulsive one, if you, if you know much about the disciples, right? If Peter thought it, he did it. That was, that was kind of the way Peter functioned. Now that thinking, that impulsiveness, I got to tell you, it got him in trouble, like like cut a ear off of a soldier trouble, but it's okay if you know the story, Jesus fixed it, put the ear back on. But part of Peter's personality also got him to a place where he got to experience things that none of the other disciples got to experience, like walking on water. Now, he also knew the pain of denying Jesus. It was that Peter that did that. But he also knew the, the, the joy of being forgiven and being restored by Jesus. After the resurrection, after Jesus was ascended into heaven, uh, Peter led the way in, in what this transition looked like for the, for the church because he understood some of the great implications of the gospel to the Jewish community. Peter received this vision, right? And it showed him that the things that he considered unclean were actually now, because of the gospel, they were clean. And that included not only things and animals, but it included people. Now, this may seem kind of normal to us, but for Peter, it was completely transforming. And since, since Peter was a, a, a Jew who followed Jesus, he was actually uh, put in charge of the church in Jerusalem, kind of the, the cultural hub uh, for the Jewish faith. Because Peter's assignment then was to help the, the, the Jewish folks see that Jesus was the Messiah that they had been waiting for. He was the one that was, that was camped out in Jerusalem to help the Jewish people see that. But remember, as the culture around the church changes, the, the church has always transitioned and, and adapted and it has always thrived. And, and, and that happened in Peter's time. You see, as, as the church grew... And, and Peter was, was, was leading that church there in Jerusalem and he was preaching daily and people were coming to know Jesus as their Savior. As the church grew, there were religious leaders at the time who grew in their jealousy. They didn't like what was happening. And, and, and for a while they tolerated the church, but then they got to where they stopped tolerating it. And instead they took people who were Jesus followers and they beat them. And they threw them in jail. They imprisoned them. And, 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 and some even were killed because they were followers of Jesus. And so the culture around the church changed. What did the church do? The church thrived in the midst of that. The church spread its wings and went to all kinds of foreign places. And they took the gospel with them as they went. And so the, the church expanded exponentially during that time. But Peter, he stayed in Jerusalem. That was his assignment, was to stay in Jerusalem and to help 
Jewish leaders and to help Jewish people see that Jesus is the Messiah that they had waited for. And so with all that, guess how first Peter opens this letter that Peter wrote? Now, he wrote this later in his life, right? So, so decades have passed from the time that he was assigned the church in Jerusalem by the other apostles and by the Lord himself and until this letter that first Peter goes out. Well, let's look at chapter 1, verse 1. It says this. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion, in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, uh, Asia, and Bithynia. All right, so I don't, I don't know uh, how familiar you are with uh, ancient names and places. I'm not. But I will tell you, none of these places are Jerusalem. None of these places are in Israel. Peter's writing this letter to places that are scattered all over Rome. Now, here's why this is important. What was Peter's ministry? It was in Jerusalem. What is Peter's ministry now? It's all over. It's to all kinds of people. It's to all kinds of places. It was to Jews in Jerusalem. Now it's to all kinds of people in all kinds of places. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says this, According to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience of Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. And so, so, so what Peter's doing is he's giving this blessing to, to these people as they read this letter. And most likely they had the letter read aloud to them and congregations spread throughout all these places. But, but this blessing is a really uh, telling blessing because, because Peter called on the knowledge of God the Father. He called on the life-changing work of the Holy Spirit. And he, he called on the salvation of Jesus Christ. And that's what that whole sprinkling of the blood means, right? It's a reference to the gospel. It's the reality of Jesus' death, His blood, paying the price and the power and the penalty of our sin. That it no longer holds us because of what, what, what Jesus did, that, that His blood broke that power. That's, that's our gospel. And in these first two verses of this book, we see two different things. We see something changed and something stayed the same. What stayed the same is this, that the message stayed the same. This, this message of, of the gospel is the same message that Peter preached the first day he preached in Jerusalem. The fact that Jesus saves, it's the same gospel that he's been preaching. That, that hasn't changed, but something else did change. Something dramatically changed. As the church spread to all kinds of people in all kinds of places, Peter's ministry also changed. You see, church, our message stays the same, but ministry changes. Peter started in Jerusalem ministering to Jews. Now, we see in this letter, he is ministering to people everywhere and to all kinds of people. And y'all, I want you to know something that's happened here at Fellowship Asheville. Our message has stayed the same. We are a gospel-centered church, which means we keep the gospel the center of all we do. We're not creative in naming things, right? We're a gospel-centered church. We keep the gospel the center of everything we do. This means that we always have, and by God's grace, we always will keep that gospel the center of everything that we do. Our deepest desire 
is for you to know the, the love of Jesus, to know that Jesus loves you and He gave His life for you so that you can have this good, right, and personal relationship with the God who loves you and the God who created you. That's our gospel. And that Jesus is the one that enables this life-giving, loving, merciful relationship with God. That hasn't changed. That won't change. But here's what is changing. In March, along with every other church we knew, we made the decision to, to cancel in-person services. We made this decision on Thursday, March 12th, if I remember correctly. That next day, and here's what I know, because the next day was a Friday and we had a staff meeting. So we called all the staff together. Typically it's our day off, but you know, when you're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic, you, you end up working on your days off. And so we all got together and not just our staff. We also had some, some key volunteers with us to help us think through how to transition this church from in-person to virtual. Those key volunteers were, were Adam Bennett, Shay Smith, and, and Bill Meisner. And they met with us. Some were in person. Some were, were via, via Zoom. And, and, and they, we talked on what does it look like for us to make this transition. Well, we laid plans that day to film the message, to broadcast it uh, through uh, Facebook as a premiere, not to try and film it live, but to, to do it as a premiere and then do a Facebook live after and have a fellowship kid Zoom party. That meeting laid the tracks for us to start filming and for us to start doing virtual ministry. We uh, filmed the message that Saturday, Bill and I did. We thought we would be doing this for a couple of weeks. And here we are, six months later, still doing virtual church with those original tracks. And I'll also say, those three volunteers throughout this process of this last six months have been the same three volunteers that have been responsible for getting this thing produced and getting it uploaded and getting it out there for you to see. So if, if you don't know Bill, Shea, or Adam, you need to get to know them and you need to thank them and you need to buy them lunch. You need to buy them coffee. You need to take care of these guys. I'll also say this virtual church, it hasn't been easy. Right? It hasn't been easy on all of us. But as the world has changed, the church has thrived. Not only our church, but, but I see my friends who are pastors all over the nation. Their churches are thriving as they've made this transition from in-person to virtual. Our church has been able to thrive in this ability to connect and engage with people who aren't here in Asheville. Not, not just the people who are, but the people who aren't. Right? Our message has been watched. Get this. And if you're in one of these places, I'd love for you to hit like or leave a comment. Right? Because our messages have been watched in, in, in Pennsylvania, in Idaho, in Michigan, in Kentucky, in Texas, in Tennessee, in Oklahoma, uh, in Africa, in Uganda, in Kenya. We even have people watching from London and Moldova. Isn't that crazy? And this is an amazing thing. And not only do we have people watching, we've actually got people outside of Asheville, outside of Western North Carolina, outside of Carolina, engaging in the life of the church. We had people from Pennsylvania join our virtual groups this summer. We even have our friend that's in Moldova. She is going to be in a virtual growth group this year, kicking off this fall. Y'all, this is amazing. 
And you see, our message doesn't change. Our message doesn't need to change. Our ministry does. And now for Fellowship Asheville, we're really entering a season where, where no matter who you are, which has always been the case, but also no matter where you are, we really can be a church for you. You see, virtual church is now one of our ministries. It wasn't before March, and it is now. Now, this is exciting, and this is new to us. It means that it's messy, and we're learning how to do this. We're learning how to be the church, not only to Oakley and Asheville, because that won't change. But we're also learning what does it mean to be the church to people that are outside of Asheville, outside of Western North Carolina, outside of the Carolinas altogether. And if you would like to help us navigate this new ministry and navigate this, this new uh, season that we find ourselves in, uh, there are multiple ways that you can do that. You can, you can be one of our hosts for virtual church. is almost like a virtual greeter, if you will, connecting with people and commenting with them as they watch. We're also going to have a, a, a prayer chat room is what we're looking to do. We're going to be leading more and more virtual groups if you would like to do that. Not to mention that production team. Like I said, those three guys have been doing all this. Listen, it, it, we're going to, as we move back into in-person services, which I'll talk about here in a little bit, our, our, what it takes to, to, to produce these and eventually to live streaming them, like our needs on that production team has like tripled. Right. So if, if you like video, if you like sound, if you like editing, listen, if you like pushing buttons, if you want to do any of this stuff to help us transition, email me and I will connect you to the right person. Because I'd love for you to use the way God has gifted you and, and, and the talents that he's given you and the gifts that he's given you to help us figure out how to navigate this, this new virtual platform. Now, what I want you to do now is turn with me to the end of First Peter. Right. Just turn a couple of pages over. And, and let's see another way that, that as the culture changes, the church transitions. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12, right at the end. It's not the very end. It's like a couple of verses from the end. It says this. It says, By Sylvanius, a faithful brother, I regard him. I have written briefly to you. Now, I want to stop here real quick because, because I don't want to gloss over something that I think uh, for those of us who have been reading the Bible for a while might be something that we take for granted. Because you see, with the early church, these letters that we have, uh, these letters were passed around from, from leaders in the church and from congregation to congregation and to congregation because you, you, you had these apostles and you had these leaders and they were training leaders. And so you had these congregations that were everywhere and, and these pastors and teachers couldn't get to all of these places. And so they wrote these letters to help shepherd the people and help lead the people. And this was something new at the time. Right? This method of doing ministry was something new, and so the message stayed the same. It was still the same gospel, and the message stays the same, but the methods change. You see, Peter went from preaching that we see in Acts to, to writing letters here. Now, I'm sure he still preached, but he was also writing letters to shepherd and, and lead and guide these, these young congregations. You see, Fellowship Asheville has gone from in-person to virtual. But I also want you to know that even our in-person gathering is going to change a bit. 
right? As we transition from from what the world was before COVID-19 to what it is with COVID-19, our in-person gatherings are going to change. And for a season, we have said we're not doing any in-person gatherings until we see numbers drop, which they have, until we're able to get some things installed in the building to make it as safe as possible, which we have gotten done just this week. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start having in-person services here again. And the way we're going to do that is, is this. We're going to, I'm just going to give you an overview of it. We can talk more about it in, in the fellowship live and the Facebook live afterwards or, or next week we're going to dive into some more depth with it too. But starting September 24th, Thursday, it's a Thursday evening, about 515 we're going to be inviting folks to an in-person service for the filming of this message. Right? I film these messages on Thursday evening. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to have people come to the filming. Now, th- there will be some, some, um, some safety protocols that we're going to follow. Masks will need to be uh, worn. If you can't wear a mask, then please just join us virtually. Because if you come in the building right now, we really do want everyone wearing masks for these in-person services. For the filming of the message, it's also going to be this Thursday night service is going to be for sixth graders and up, right? Because um, in the in the worship center, the noise echoes really, really a lot in there. And so uh, I want uh, people in there. We want people in there that honestly can can kind of sit still as I'm filming this. There'll be a service a little bit that I'll talk about where everyone's welcome. But for this filming, it's sixth grade and up. There will also be no music during this service. It's just for filming. And we're going to start off with an RSVP for about 30 people the first week just to make sure all of our systems are working. And then we'll expand on that number as we go for that Thursday night filming. We're going to take a few weeks, make sure all of our systems are in place. And then October 25th, Sunday, October 25th, will be our first in-person service on Sunday morning. We'll also require RSVPs for that. Everybody's welcome to that. There will be no children's ministry, no nursery, no preschool. We'll all be in the worship center. We'll be physically distanced with masks on, just like, just like the Thursday night. Well, and this service will start at 9 o'clock. The reason we're doing a 9 o'clock service is because at 10 o'clock, we're going to broadcast the, the, the sermon. We're going to broadcast the sermon so that those watching virtually will be able to watch it at 10 And then that allows staff and volunteers to be able to engage with those on Facebook. I'll do the Facebook Live right after, and then Fellowship Kids Zoom will start at 11. So if you come at 9 o'clock, you can still go home, catch the Facebook Live and the Fellowship Kids Zoom at 11. And And then what's really cool, too, is starting on that October 25th when we meet in person on Sunday morning. And by the way, that'll be for about 50 to 75 people. And that number will fluctuate as we get our, as everything, uh, we get our systems in, in line and all that stuff. And, and, and so you'll have to RSVP for that. But here's what's really cool. What also kicks off on October 25th is that FSM will start meeting in person again. They won't meet in the student room. They'll meet in the worship center so that there's more space in there. Uh, But that's our plan. And we'll dig into more of that, like I said, in the Facebook Live if you want. Uh, And then next week's message, we're going to hear more about that too. But for many of us, here's what I know. Finally, we get to meet in person. I feel that. That is like a breath of fresh air. For some of us, though, it isn't. 
right? Because for some of us, it isn't enough. Or for some of us, it isn't. And for some of us, it's, it's too much. And I get it. Y'all, here's what I need you to hear. This is the tension that we live in right now. I can't change that. But what I do ask you to do is to bear with us. Give us patience and give us grace as we figure this out. I don't know about you, but I've never lived in a worldwide pandemic before, right? We're figuring this out as we go. And of course, with all things COVID, all of our plans could change today. It just depends on a whole lot of factors, but that's our plan. So not only do I ask you to bear with us and to have patience with us, I ask you to pray for us and to pray for our church that we can represent Jesus well, that we can love each other well, represent Jesus well to our neighbors. Now, there's one other additional method that is changing too that I want to highlight, which is really fun and exciting. And it's this, we're, we're adding a podcast to our communication. So you can listen to the audio of this sermon on podcast. You can also watch it on Facebook. You can watch it on YouTube. Uh, But we're going to add an audio podcast called the ConvoCast. And and here's why we want to do that. We want to share the stories of what God is doing in and through the people of Asheville so that you can be inspired by what others are doing. As staff, we get to hear these stories all the time. And as elders, we, we get to hear them. But I can't share all those stories in messages. There's too much to share. And so we thought, man, wouldn't it be great to do a short podcast where I get to talk to people and have them share their story about what God is doing in and through them. You'll get to hear from staff, you'll get to hear from elders, and you'll get to hear from some really cool people in this church that God is doing some really fun things through. And so for you, if you know someone that God is is working in and through that you think their story would inspire others here at Fellowship, let me know, and I would love to interview them for this. And so our message stays the same, but our ministry changes. Our message stays the same, but our methods change. But look at what else happens, y'all, because this this last part of this verse is key to what it looks like for us to thrive in this season of transition. Verse 12, the rest of it says this. It says, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. Now notice what happens here. Peter is telling those who followed Jesus in these distant lands to stand firm. Now, I don't know about you uh, as a kid, but my mom had this phrase. My mom and dad both had this phrase that they would use, right? If I was sitting on the porch and they had to go across the street or do something, or if, if my mom, if I had scraped my knee and my mom had set me on the counter to wash my knee, but the band-aids were on the other side of the room and she needed to go to the other side of the room, uh, they would look at me and they say, Fred, They'd probably call me Fred Jr. at that point because that was what they called me. Fred Jr., you better stay put is what they would say. Right now, here's what stay put meant. It meant that I better not move because if I do move, something isn't going to be good about it. Right? Either I'm going to fall off the counter, I'm going to be putting myself in danger, um, or they're just going to be frustrated with me. All of those bad case scenarios when I was a kid. Stay put. That's what this word stand firm means. It means to stay put. But where is Peter asking them to stay put? He says in the true grace of of God. But what does that mean? Well, this is where I'm going to hop and skip through the rest of this letter between where we started and and where we are now. Because Peter has given some commands to this church. 
And they're going to sound familiar because it's not just in this letter. These commands are echoed through our entire Bible. He tells them to be humble, to be self-controlled, to love each other, to serve others, to rejoice in their suffering, to live in harmony with one another, to submit to authority to rid themselves of sinful behavior. You see, here's what I find interesting and compelling about our faith. Is that for over 2,000 years, the message of Jesus has stayed the same. The gospel has stayed the same. And what also has stayed the same is our mandates, our commands. They haven't changed either. The message stays the same, and so do the mandates. What God is asking us to do is what He has asked His followers to do forever. And it's actually summed up in a verse in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 1.22. It says this, having purified, your souls by, uh, having purified your souls by our obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. You see, the command is the same. Purify yourself by obeying the truth and love each other. Y'all, these are our mandates. And in the midst of these changing times, as we move from life before COVID to life with COVID to, to hopefully, Lord willing, life after COVID at some point, the mandate is clear. Purify yourselves from evil. Deal with the junk in your heart and then love others. Well, not and then, because there's always more. How about this? Deal with the junk in your heart while you're loving others. In church, may we let this truth change us, right? May we, may, we, may we continue to do the most loving thing possible for those around us. And y'all, I want to tell you, that's why we have growth groups. And if you're not in a growth group, I want you to find one because here's what growth groups are designed to do. They're designed to be the place where you discover God's truth and you learn what life looks like to obey it. And You learn what it means to love others and you do it. And we've got all kinds of groups. We've got a Be the Bridge group that if you are interested in what it looks like to to be involved in this conversation of in these actions about racial reconciliation, we want to help you do that through this gospel-centered grid. And that is a virtual group. You can join that from anywhere in the world. We've also got Financial Peace University, which, which, which helps teach you how to be a good steward with your money. Again, that's a virtual group you can join from anywhere in the world. And then we've got Bible studies as we're going through the book of Ruth. I'm going to be teaching on the book of, the, on the book of Ruth as I'm, our next series. And our Bible studies are going to be a couple of weeks ahead of me, which is really fun. And we've got in-person groups. We've got virtual groups. We've got hybrid groups. There is a place for you. And if we don't have a group that fits your schedule, there is a group called Waiting List. Join that waiting list and I'll let you know as more groups open. Now what's going to happen next week is we're going to hear from all the staff about what this relaunch looks like in their ministry. What does it look like as we transition from life before COVID to, to life after COVID? What does it look like to thrive in the midst of this transition? And I'm sure you have questions. I do too. Let's talk about them on Facebook Live. Let me pray for us. Church, I love you, and I love being the church with you. Jesus, you are doing such a great and mighty work here in in Asheville, at Fellowship Asheville, and 
and in churches all over the world. And God, I pray that that we will use this time to thrive, that you will fan the flame of what you're doing in these churches and and that we will be known for, for exactly what Peter says, for obeying the truth and loving others. God, help us to do that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.